We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network presented by Cooperage Brewing in Santa Rosa. Get some delicious beer at cooperagebrewing.com or go visit the brewery out there in Santa Rosa. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee, and we have a 49ers victory to talk about. They beat the Rams 24 to 9. If you have not listened to Chris's solo pod, go ahead and do that. We're going to dive in. Uh, that was immediately post game with Chris doing the solo pod. Now we're going to dive in a little bit deeper here on Tuesday afternoon. Now that Kyle Shanahan has talked and we've had a chance to kind of digest what happened in the 49ers 24 to 9 win. Let's get into it. Blue Liar. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. has got him and a sack him back inside the 30-yard line. Nick Bosa drops Aaron Rodgers for a 13-yard loss. Quick pass caught by Kittle. He dives and he's in. Touchdown 49ers. I feel like you could take take the take the location out of it and some of the and and some of the like players' names and jersey numbers. And you could just kind of mix up some plays from 49ers Rams games over the last two years, two or three years. And I don't think I would be able to discern which game was which. Like the the interceptions returned for touchdowns? Yeah, they just all kind of look the same. Like all the like all the games, <laughs> it's like, oh wow, look, the Niners just kind of physically handled the Rams and did whatever they wanted. The Rams couldn't run the ball. Um, the Niners got after the quarterback and generated a couple turnovers and to hear they have a double digit win and Debo Samuel made some big plays. <laughs> yeah, really like the only difference between this Rams game and some other ones, particularly the ones played at Levi's over the last few years is like the Niners ran the ball. Okay. But it wasn't like the reason why they won the game. You know, like you think about the game last year is like they ran, I don't know. It was, it was 30 or 40 times. Right. And we always talk about that 30 number with Kyle Shanahan and how he talks about it during the week. Like if we get to this number of carries, there's a good chance we're controlling the game and and we're doing enough on the ground to win it. They only ran the ball 22 times. Yeah. 27 times. Yeah. And Debo Samuel had two runs or two yards again. So it's, it's like, 
it was a little bit unique in terms of how much they threw the ball. But on the other hand, a lot of those throws were basically, you know, substitutions for running plays like bubble screens and all of that. Um, so it was a little bit unique in that sense. But yeah, like watching the game, it felt like we've seen that game three or four times over the last few years. Right. So it's mm-hmm. it's not entirely surprising given that context. It might be a little bit more surprising given the context of what happened last week in Denver. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, like the big lesson for me, and it's not necessarily unique because we do this every year, but like let's not judge a team based on one week's performance and let's try to judge a team over, you know, multiple weeks, a month, half a season, a full season. Like let's take a big picture view when trying to figure out how good a team is rather than saying, Oh, they played bad in this game. They must be bad. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I think ultimately like the Niners were 10 and seven last year. Right. And that feels about right. Given how the season went. Like there weren't games where you're like, well, their record should have been this or should have been that. Like, no, there were 10 and 17. Like that feels about correct. Through two games or four games, obviously two and two is is on par given the way they've played. But I don't feel like we can judge. We can make sweeping declarations even off the Monday night game against the Rams just as much as we can't really off the Sunday night game because right now, I think the key takeaway is that the 49ers are just inconsistent. So I I disagree a little bit. I think that that they've been inconsistent the last 2 weeks. But Monday night looked to me just like, oh, the so the 49ers are basically what they were last year. They're going to be really good defensively and the question on a game in game out basis is can they get enough from the offense? And I think that last night was a better baseline. That that's what than, I mean about cons- Sunday. Yeah, that's what I mean about consistency. Though it's more about the offense, right? Because the defense has okay. been pretty damn consistent. Sure. Um. So that's what this, this that's that's why last night was such a big win for 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 the Forty ers in 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 my mind. Because yeah, you beat the Rams, you go to two and two, falling to one and three, in in an NFC that, you know, people go, it's there for the taking. It's like, yeah, but it's also probably going to be super crowded for playoff spots where tiebreakers are going to start to come into play and getting to two and two, staying in the hunt, staying on top of the division, technically <laughs> the, the entire NFC West is two and two, but it's, that that's all important, but it's how they did it because they look so bad offensively in Denver. And then they they come out against LA and they throw it 27 times against 22 runs. Garoppolo looked not still not great, but better. And the bigger deal is he was mistake free. There wasn't even a throw necessarily that I thought. It, I, I mean, mistake free and turnover free. There was never a play that I thought like, Oh, that was a really bad decision. That was a really bad throw. That he's lucky that didn't get picked. There was one late in the game where he threw it out and Kittle ran in. And when you see that pass floating to the sideline, that is pick six central. But there was nobody there. And that's that's a miscommunication. I don't know whose fault it was. But if if that's if that's the new baseline for Garoppolo, because I do think he's gonna get a little better. But if that's the 
baseline, like with this defense, they're going to win a lot of games if they just get that. Like, can you just not turn the ball over? And can the team stay creative on first down? Um, I, I, I was, I was very, very encouraged by just kind of how they looked. Yeah, I think Jimmy. I said it in last night's pod. Like, yeah, he was better, and obviously, not turning the ball over is better. And you know, the Forty ers have won both the games where they haven't turned the ball over, so that's you know obvious uh, Mm -hmm. analysis but did he mean to throw it high to Debo on the touchdown I think he did I don't (laughs) I don't at all I think that easily could have been a pick six and because like remember the previous the the third down on the drive before that he airmailed Juwan Jennings right who was open yeah (laughs) and I just but but here's the thing is with Jimmy Garoppolo an airmailed throw here and a missed read there, like that's just baked in. That's no. that's what you're gonna get from the dude. A- absolutely, I, you know, I thought Jimmy played fine. I I did think there was an element of luck to the no turnovers thing. You know, like okay. he played he played fine, but it's also like Kyle Shanahan watching the game. It just felt like that was about as risk averse a passing game plan that Kyle Mm -hmm. Shanahan could have given all of the bubble screens, um, the short passes, you know, it it wasn't like Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't throwing in a ton of uh, crowded windows, which was, which was a problem in Denver, right? Like he was, he was trying to make those throws into crowded windows. And that obviously proved problematic, particularly late in the game when he threw that interception. So there was less of that, which is a positive. And yeah, you you love the fact, if you're a Niners fan, that Jimmy Garoppolo didn't throw a pick. But for me, like the offense wasn't super encouraging based on just the way it looked and how much Kyle Shanahan still has to cover for the fact that he has no real trust in Jimmy Garoppolo to push the ball downfield yet. And I'm with you in that I think it's going to get better but I, I would I would disagree with the idea that like, oh, the Niners offense looks way better because of the way Jimmy played. I would say, yeah, the results were there. But when you like fast forward to the playoffs, say the 49ers make it, mm-hmm. the offense needs to get substantially better. And Jimmy Garoppolo totally. needs to play substantially better yes. and be able to make you know, higher level of difficulty throws if they're going to win some of these games. Yeah. And just to kind of piggyback off that, if I said way better, I didn't mean way better. He was better on Monday than he was on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. But one of the things that jumps out to me, and I don't want to harp too much on Jimmy Garoppolo here, just because I think, I mean, it's just, there was nothing earth shattering one way or the other, but the reason he's a known commodity. That was a Jimmy Garoppolo game. The vintage, like that's there's good. There's bad. He's not, I thought his best throw might have been the touchdown to Kittle that was incomplete. Yeah, and uh, the, honestly, the completion, the 20-yard completion to Kittle, too, was good. Yeah. Um, I'm also of the mind that he threw it high to Debo on purpose because I <laughs> thought it during the game, and then he said it after he saw the defender driving, and so he put it up high. Now, you can call into question, hey, should you be making that throw then? Like, if <laughs> if you see the defender, can you pull it down and look elsewhere? But that's a different thing. The reason I think that we see a better version of Jimmy Garoppolo moving forward 
is because he was again over two on throws 20 plus yards down the field although i think one of those was that fourth down throw at the end of the half there was a guy running open i kind of thought they like might have had something there if they if jimmy actually like made a real throw it was weird it was it was like shanahan said hey if this isn't here throw it out of bounds and let's go home and Jimmy just snapped it and threw it out of bounds. And you could see a guy, I think it might have been McLeod, but like running around along the right sideline, like not covered. And I was like, wait, I, I huh. need to go back Weird. and watch it. But it was I just thought it was odd in, in real time. But he once again, we we talk about how how good he was in 2019 and in 2021 in those intermediate throws, 10 to 19 yards. He was two for four last night. Four is a super low number, even for Jimmy Garoppolo, but two for six on throws 10 plus yards down the field. Right, exactly. That's not good enough, like you were saying. But I do think, maybe not on the deep throws, but in those intermediate throws, I do think we're going to see him get better. Yeah, I mean, I he has to. a matter of rhythm. It's just, it, it has to be, it has to be better just purely from a product of, like, having more practice time, right? I mean, he's he's yeah. taken, he's he's been the starting quarterback and actually gotten practice time for two weeks. Yeah. He had no training camp. Nothing. So yeah, and he so was that's... recovering from a shoulder injury all offseason. Right, and his arm is still sore. Real quick, because I do want to talk about Debo Samuel. But the 49ers won last night with 22 runs and 27 pass attempts. I went and looked. How many times that was? I will say that that was the 21st time under Kyle Shanahan that they've had 27 plus pass attempts and 22 or fewer rushing attempts in the same game. It was the 21st time. How many of those games do you think they've won? Say, sorry, can you repeat the number? Yes. 27 plus pass attempts, 22 or fewer rushing attempts. They've done it 21 times now under Kyle Shanahan. Two. It was two. Last night was three. Okay. They are now three and eighteen when uh, when those numbers hit. Wow. That was their first. Uh, I think that was their first double digit win. Yeah, the Cardinals in twenty nineteen, but they had that weird fumble at the end of the game that they scored a touchdown on on the yeah. kickoff. But anyways, I want to talk about Debo because holy shit. <laughs> It's he like kills what is, the Rams. He what is it about the Rams. the Rams, dude? I don't know. He just kills the Rams. It's always the Rams. He has six touchdowns, six six touchdowns, not including his passing touchdown in week 18 last year. He just kills the Rams. I don't get it. And it's such a tone setter because he scores that 57-yard touchdown, which was insane. But like it's hard for Debo at this point to make a play where I'm like, whoa. Like that was different, but he he did it again last night, and it wasn't on a run play where he turned the corner and oh he beat a couple defenders. Like no, it was peak like tackle breaking, speed, vision, running through the best secondary player maybe in the league, uh, getting some good downfield blocking, um, and it just set a tone. It felt it felt like. I know the game didn't end there, but it felt like the game ended there where yeah. it was just this like, hey, here we go again kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, there are times when he just looks like one of the best players in football. 
like full stop, like one of, if not the best guy in the league with the ball in his hands, because he's so difficult to tackle. He's like, he's not as big as Derrick Henry, but it almost feels like he has a similar effect in that. Like he's as difficult to tackle and requires multiple people to tackle like Derrick Henry, but then he's more elusive and has more speed than Derrick Henry. Like, Derrick Henry moves like a bank vault. <laughs> yeah, like laterally, it, it, I mean. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 so unique with Debo. Um and I don't know like Jalen Ramsey's in my opinion the best corner in the league, right? I I I am inclined to agree. What's fascinating about the Debo Samuel Jalen Ramsey thing is like Debo's kind of the antithesis of Ramsey in that Ramsey's like the guy who can cover anybody, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you, if you put Ramsey on a receiver and just have him follow him at all over the field, Ramsey's going to do a really good job because he's just going to cover him and make it difficult to like hit that guy downfield. You're not going to shake him. But when you can just find ways to give Debo Samuel the ball, mm-hmm. that's, that's, Ramsey's I don't want to say kryptonite because it's not like he's not a physical player but like that's how you beat Ramsey is just having a receiver who's a battering ram as opposed to like a skilled route runner Mm -hmm. right like and that's a really unique dichotomy because there's really no other receiver in the league like that who gives Ramsey those types of problems right Jalen Ramsey would be the best player at any of the secondary positions if he played it full time. Yeah. Like he's that level of player. And the fact that I, because I, I agree 100% with you, I think it's such a testament to just how uniquely good Debo is that the Rams can't just go, hey, Jalen, you go do, you, you follow Debo around and we'll take him out of the game. Like that's a huge, huge weapon. I also, I also know that. Debo kind of ran him over in the open field or ran through him in the open field. I don't know if there's a defender in the league that is making that tackle one-on-one against Debo with a head of steam. Yeah. It's like, that's a tough assignment. There are like a couple guys that I think might be able to do it. One of them plays for the 49ers, Fred Warner. Yeah. Like I'm thinking like Derwin James, maybe Adrian Colbert. (laughs) <laughs> is he in the league uh for the sake of this bit yes sure okay jags jets maybe yeah i, I don't even know um but yeah it, it's Mika fitzpatrick probably make could, could tackle debo in the open field maybe oh maybe i mean it, it takes quicks but it also takes strength so i'm i'm trying to think of like the best tackling I mean, Jimmy Ward could do it, but Jimmy Ward might break a bone. Stop. <laughs> I like Jimmy Ward, but he's a really good tackler. But he's all you know; he's got a history. No, it's just that the the point is is those the list of guys who are just going to bring down Debo in the open field is not is not super long, right? And I, I think too, and I know Guy Haberman made this point on their show. The important thing for Debo was that he was doing it as a receiver catching passes. And yeah, there were some bubble screens and some gadget type plays, but 
it wasn't like a game where you had to run Debo Samuel 10 times. They ran him twice in the first quarter. Right. He had two carries. And like ultimately, that's the best version of Debo Samuel, in my opinion, for the 49ers offense is like utilizing him the way a receiver should be used and not trying to force feed him as a running back. Because frankly, I just don't think that's going to work the same way this season. And it hasn't so far. No, so, and that's go so ahead. Sorry to to you to use him as like a downfield threat or more of a downfield threat and somebody who who pressures the secondary more so than like your front seven. I think is really important for for both the 49ers offense and for just the growth of Debo Samuel's game because he he does need to continue to evolve and be more of a downfield threat because like when you know like when the 49ers are getting the ball in Debo Samuel's hands on like a deep crosser and he's like hitting stride 15, 20 yards downfield on a cross, like that is a really tough play to stop when it's working. Right. But that's not like, that's a much better and more efficient use of Debo than like, all right, well let's run him again. (laughs) Have you ever seen, have you, I'm trying to think, have you ever seen Debo on an, intermediate to deep in breaking route just get tackled right away i don't think Not i have the top th- of my head i know there's some like on slants where the defender's right there and they just immediately bring them down yeah. but on that play on that play in particular you're talking about like that's the air yards and then several yards after the catch every time yeah i'm totally with you that's that's devote his best the gadget stuff and the, the wide back stuff is an interesting wrinkle. And I think it's something that that will will be used here and there for sure. But I think teams have just kind of figured it out a little bit. And now it's on Shanahan to adjust to that and use Debo as a decoy, which they did a little bit here and there last night. And I think that might be more how he's going to be effective moving forward. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I, I, I think that that was really a positive sign in terms of like the offense being productive. But again, not to be like super negative on here, but they were, you know, they're four of seven on, for, on third down in the first half. Mm-hmm. And then they go one of five in the second half. Sure. And it got to a point there when Kyle Shanahan decided to kick the field goal. Um, and then they Robbie Gold missed the 42 yard field goal where you're like, man, the offense might not be doing enough in the fourth quarter to hold on to this win. Yeah. Yeah. When Gold missed the 42 yard field goal, it, it definitely had the feel of like, man, the Rams have knocked on the door a couple times. This is this is dicey, but then let's use that as a transition of the defense because really one of the most like roundly dominant defensive performances we've seen from this group. They were really, really good. It's the best defense in the league. They allowed three and a half yards per play to the Rams. And held the Rams without a 20 plus yard play. ESPN had the stat held the Rams without a play of 20-plus yards for the first time since 2007. Like, they they were... You just said it's the best defense in the league. I'm not sure if in the next couple weeks it's going to even be close. They're unbelievable. They don't have a weakness, and maybe you could point to just the bulk interception numbers, but, like, Talanoa Hufunga, I think, is pretty clearly a substantial upgrade over Jaquaski Tart. Like Tart was good. I think I think Tart's best trait was just his versatility was the fact that like he's a strong safety who could run like a free safety. Mm-hmm. And you felt okay about him, but there wasn't really a huge playmaking element there. He would flash mm-hmm. from time to time, but like Hufanga is a playmaker. That is like the thing about his game that really stands out. Yeah. And obviously that pick 6 was I mean who knows how that game turns out if he doesn't if he doesn't get that pick six right because it it felt like it was teetering the Rams' direction and then Hufanga makes that play and that is a that is a star making type play in my opinion because like Hufanga has been productive enough to be like oh yeah like really good player like nice but but like when you when you have pull a pick six out like that at that moment in the game when the offense is struggling. That's like star player shit. That that's like what that that's the biggest to me, that's the biggest player that 49ers season. Your mic's gone. <laughs> Might need that. It's October <laughs> 2022 and I'm still figuring out how to unmute my microphone on Zoom. Feel like an feel like an old so it it felt like the defense needed a signature play. Like, hey, they've been really good, but they're just kind of just dominant. You know, the interception here, fumble there, stop in the red zone here. But that was the like defense putting the stamp on a game that they dominated for four quarters. And, and they had- didn't get those turnovers in Denver, right? Like they had a couple yeah. fumbles. Like they had opportunities to get turnovers in Denver and they didn't get them. Anyway, to your keep keep making your point. No, it just it, it that that was 
that was a play where the offense is struggling. Special teams had just missed a field goal. And, hey, defense, get a stop. Only it wasn't get a stop this time. It was generate a turnover and score the touchdown that the offense couldn't get to win the game. And that's not something you can rely on. Like, <laughs> you the, the 49ers can't now operate like, yeah, hey, defense will get a touchdown. You know, let's punt on second down and see if the defense can score. But the fact that they have that kind of playmaker in their secondary, Hufang is now responsible for three interceptions this year. He has two of his own and then a one he tipped to Gibson in, in, in week two. They, I, I'm out of like superlatives. They're just good, dude. They have no weaknesses. Like even last year, the biggest difference was at cornerback. And so many times it was like, well, we're really struggling to run the ball. Like opposing teams would be, you know, struggling to run the ball, struggling to find short passes, but it'll be like, all right, well, let's take a chance, huck it deep and see if we can get a PI call. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that worked a lot, right? You can't do that on this defense right now. You can't, there's no bailout. There's no, there's no weakness to attack. There's no player where you're like all right that guy's on the field let's go get after him because he's a clear downgrade from other spots on the on the field right like they are really good to great at every position and it's pretty remarkable that Tashawn Gibson has like played well enough for, in a really important position like the defense they run the free safety is super important yep and he's a guy they signed what two weeks before the regular season, and the he's re- we, the the like three days before the preseason finale, right? And like Jimmy Ward's a team captain, <laughs> right? Like he's replacing a team captain, and the defense is off to a historic start. Um, so yeah, the defense is is the best in the league for my money right now. I do want to see what happens when they play better offenses. Um, But that's not going to happen within the next two weeks. It looks like, Mm -hmm. but there just isn't a weakness. And when, you know, when you can line up three pretty good pass rushers on one side of the line and then have two of those guys collapse second and third stringers along the interior and then run a game where you're bringing Nick Bosa from the outside to the middle where that interior was collapsed and he just gets a free run at Matt Stafford, like, that's unfair. It's sick. It's completely unfair. And Bosa, even even when he wasn't running games and it was just one-on-one situations, just a dominant player. 14 pressures. (laughs) completely dominant player 14 pressures is tied for the second most like on the team for the year (laughs) and he did it in a game yeah and it like matched the eye test remember last year in week one i think eric armstead got credited with nine pressures and it was like i didn't even notice him on the field like that's weird no 14 sounds about right for what bosa was doing last night yeah it was ridiculous. He's, yeah. it's one of those like they're built front to back, 
and they're they're good in the second level and they're good in the secondary. Or not it's not to take away from them, but this defense is built front to back, and and Nick Bosa is the head of that spear, and it matters way less. Your your defense, if you have a defensive end that dominant, your defense is going to be pretty good. But the fact that they also have Traverius Ward, who's been outstanding, and Emmanuel Mosley, who's been very good. And we talked about the safeties. And then you, in the second level, you have Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. Dre Greenlaw had 15 tackles last night. He had like eight on the first drive. Just all over the field. <laughs> he took that first week personally, it feels like, because he's been yeah. stellar since. Yeah. So, So the fact they can do that in all three levels... And like, oh, by the way, as the world is collapsing around your quarterback, their their middle linebacker is going to be able to lock up your slot receiver in a in a quick scenario. I don't, I'm not saying you could throw Fred Warner on Cooper Cup one on one and be okay, but down in the red zone, hey, you get this matchup that you hunt on other teams, and oh, it's not there, and now the pocket's collapsing. There's just not a lot of things you can do. And the other the other thing they're really good at, just to kind of piggyback off that linebacker point is there's just like never yak ever. It's like there's completions and then they immediately go down. And I just, in in the NFL where so many guys are running a variation of the Shanahan offense, short, intermediate throws, run after the catch, the fact that those just aren't available and you're making the Rams go 16 plays, 14 plays, 10 plays to put three points on the board. Like that's got to be so demoralizing for an offense. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly with the Rams, because like when you have fast linebackers who are good in coverage, it's such an advantage in defending slot receivers because most slot receivers would love to get bracketed by, you know, a slot corner and a linebacker because they would just play towards, you know, they, they would leverage their routes towards that linebacker and take advantage of that mismatch. And the Niners have probably the best cover linebacker in the league in Fred Warner. Yep. So it's just like, it's, you know, we talk about styles make fights. It's like when Cooper cups, your best player, then it's, if you're the, if you're going against them, the best antidote aside from a really good slot corner or just good corners in general is a linebacker who can help bracket that guy. And mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like a mismatch when the leverage goes his way. Yep. So can we talk about Hufunga? Because yes, I need time. <laughs> so Kyle Shannon at his conference call today and he was asked um, by just a really smart, intrepid reporter about like what stands out about Hufunga um, from like a preparation standpoint because obviously like the production this year the plays he makes speak for themselves but like he talked about how deliberate Hufunga is in his approach and how everything in life that he does is aimed to better himself as a football player and also credit to Kyle Shane and for talking about Hufunga without mentioning the name Troy Palomalo <laughs> but, but um what, what are they similar <laughs> he he works out with them do you know that in the offseason get out of town what yeah, yeah they're close they're friendly and they both have long hair um, what hadn't even noticed <laughs> but one thing kyle shanahan say said and and shanahan's not like a hyperbole guy and i tweeted about this but like 
he said the other guy that comes to mind when talking about that approach to their preparation and their craft is Nick Bosa. And Nick Bosa is like on this pedestal in 49ers HQ in terms of like, he's the guy that they never have to worry about in terms of approach to the game, like having his head on right, like preparing, getting his body right, all of that stuff. Like Bosa is way up here on his own pedestal when it comes to those types of things. And Shanahan said, Hufanga is at that level. Man. Which is wild to me because Shanahan's not the, like I said, he's not the hyperbolic, like he's not the guy who's going to gas up his players just to do it. (laughs) So like given the esteem that Nick Bosa, like Kyle Shanahan is not ever once been concerned about Nick Bosa not showing up to the offseason program. Right. He's like, yeah, Nick's not here. I'm not concerned at all because whatever he's doing in Florida or LA is probably more productive and safer than him being here because I trust Nick. He's the best pro or the best guy at being a professional football player on this team. Right. Right. In terms of like working on technique, body, diet, all that stuff, all that stuff's been well-documented to put Talano Hufang in that category is not a small thing for a head coach like Kyle Shanahan. So like, you know, Hufanga might be limited in terms of speed, but also like he he was clocked at 21 miles an hour on that pick, which is the fastest of any 49ers ball carrier this season, which is kind of crazy. He was that- moving, dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And there's, I mean, adrenaline probably has a lot to do with that at that point in the game. And knowing you're like, yeah, I, I cannot get tackled by Matt Stafford here. But I just think like that to me says a lot about how good Hufanga potentially could be. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the defensive line is so good, the linebackers are so good, you feel pretty good about the corners. But now to have like a real playmaker in the secondary just takes this defense to another level because you always felt like, all right, even 2019, right? Like the pass rush was probably a little bit better given you had to force Buckner. But it wasn't like the secondary was like, oh man, that's just a bunch of ball hawks. Like it was Sherman. And then the cornerback spot opposite Sherman was kind of questionable because you had Emmanuel Mosley and Akella Witherspoon kind of shuffling back and forth. Witherspoon dealing with injury or getting benched, right? You had Jaquaski Tart, who was never really a turnover guy, like a guy you really considered a someone you trust to be like, yeah, he's going to make a bunch of plays, right? Like that just mm-hmm. wasn't Tart. And even Jimmy Ward wasn't a guy who had a lot of interceptions that season. I don't, did he even have any? Last year? 2019. I remember, no. Yeah, I remember it being a thing. Like, yeah, Jimmy Ward's really good, just no picks. Yeah, because in... Yeah, right. So, anyway, so, like, Hufunga being a guy who not only can make plays, like, behind the line of scrimmage in the running game and all that, but being a guy who is now responsible for three interceptions in four games this year has the potential to take this defense to another level in terms of how we talk about it. Yeah. Because that was an element they haven't had. And which is probably a differentiating factor between, you know, this defense and the 2019 defense, because, you know, we talk about that defense a lot. Yeah. And the sample size needs to be bigger, but I definitely think it's, you can open the conversation at this point. 
Like they're allowing 3.8 yards per play. That's a half yard below the 2000 Ravens and the 85 Bears. Yeah. That's such a ridiculous number. And it's starting to look like it's starting to look like shutting out Seattle's offense was maybe a little bit more impressive than we gave it credit for at the time. Yeah. Cuz they they they're not they're they're not going to they're I think third in offensive DVOA right now Seattle is. I don't think they're going to finish there, but it's not the 32nd or 31st best offense in the NFL. And the Niners casually shut them out. Still not giving up a first half touchdown. They've given up one offensive touchdown since week one. I mean, it's just been it's just been dominance. And it's so fun to watch because it's all three levels. You know, it's a little crazy too. I think talk to anybody in you know who's in the league who really knows scheme, they'll say, like, you know, some people are hit or miss on the on the wide nine stuff, right? Like Obviously, if, if you have the right pass rushers, wide nine is good. Um, but a some, something people would be critical about the wide nine stuff would say like, well, you're creating pretty substantial gaps in the running game. And what we say coming into the season, like after losing DJ Jones, like can the 49ers stop the run as well as they have previously because they don't have DeForest Buckner. They don't have DJ Jones. Javon Kinlaw's lost 30 pounds. He's not like looking like a real candidate to, to be a nose tackle. Niners are allowing 2.9 yards per rush attempt. Best in the NFL. <laughs> and, and maybe that's, that's outrageous. And maybe that's a product of like, not going against elite running backs or, you know, I don't even know how many running backs you'd call quote unquote elite at this point. Sure. But to say like coming into the season be like, well, that might be an Achilles heel. Like, can they stop the run so far through four games? Statistically, it's the best run defense in the league too. Right. And the conversation this happened, remember in 2019 when the Niners got to three and oh, and it's like, well, they haven't played anybody. And then they get to four and oh, and it was, oh, they haven't played anybody. And then they faced the Packers on Monday night or on a Sunday night or whenever that was, and they blow them out. And it's like, well, the Packers actually aren't that good, really. It's like at some point, if every team is just worse than you, then like you're the best team. And that's what that's what it feels like about this this Niners defense is oh, it was just the Bears and oh, it was just the Seahawks. And, oh, it was just the the Broncos. Their offense is struggling. Russell Wilson's washed. Wait till they see the Rams. And then they go do it again against the Rams. And are the Rams the Chiefs or the Bills? No, not necessarily. But you can't, you can't also then say, well, the Rams is just offense. The offense isn't very good. I just I'm not I'm not buying that. Is it a top five offense? No, not at all. But we've gone from Niners shutting down the worst offenses in the league to okay, shutting down a couple of the middling offenses. Like at some point <laughs> they're just freaking good. Well, they have equity now. I think that's the biggest difference between twenty nineteen and right now, right? Because twenty nineteen was like 
they did play, they had a run of like really bad quarterbacks that they played in the first half of that season. And they were really good. They didn't, they had zero slip ups against any of those quarterbacks, but it was like, well, is the defense really good? Well, now we've seen it in 2019. We saw it obviously less so in 2020, but we obviously saw it last year down the stretch and in the playoffs. Like, no, this defense is really, really good. So now we're in the third year of elite defensive play where we can say like, all right, like, yeah, this is, we don't have to do the thing where like, well, have they played anybody yet? It's like, no, this defense has really been the backbone <laughs> of two teams that went right. on deep playoff runs. Yeah. So that's a major part of it. And the fact that like Nick Bose is playing the best football of his career. Fred Warner is back, right? Like Fred Warner kind of struggled in the first half of last year. Fred Warner's back and Traverius Ward has been, I mean, has he been better than they expected? I kind of think Traverius Ward has been better than they've expected. I would buy that, but I also think they were expecting quite a bit. I mean, look at the contract they gave him. Maybe he's been a little bit better, but I, 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 I don't think it's like whoa, never expected this guy to be this good, right? But maybe like, he's been a little better. I have to look up the numbers, but I feel like he's given up very little to nothing and yeah, made and some pretty catch- big pass breakups the last two weeks and every catch he does allow it's immediate tackle like he's constantly yeah constantly around the football yeah do you want to do the cooper six-pack yeah let's do it tyler hit the thing even though the intro is different All right, tough Cooper six-pack for me this week. I took a big gamble, and it didn't pay off. You want to start with the gamble? Sure. Okay, so on our on our end-of-week pod, our final preview pod, Chris picks three players, I pick three players, and we, we pick them based on who we think is going to have the biggest impact on that week's game. This week, I had Nick Bosa. You had Colton McKivitz. I took Diamador Lenore. You took Fred Warner. You also took Debo Samuel. I gambled with my last pick, and I picked Jordan Mason. <laughs> Didn't work out. How many offensive snaps did he play? Zero. That's a big donut, Chris. <laughs> Tevin Coleman had more offensive snaps than Jordan Mason, and Tevin Coleman wasn't on the team four days ago. Coleman so, got the game? Yeah, one one offensive snap wow. per snap charts. Okay. I have zero recollection of it. Like I was, I was looking for it, and never saw it. And then I was scrolling through Pro Football Focus today, and he had a PFF grade. What color? And and uh, I think like yellow or orange. Okay. He played one offensive snap. Couldn't tell you when it was. Yeah. You Not could good tell, enough to be green or blue. You could tell me anything about Tevin Coleman's offensive snap, and I would freaking believe you. Well, except like he registered like a. A, a stat sheet stat like a counting stat he didn't yeah i didn't get a carry no i did he even pass block i don't know what he did i don't know what he did but tevin coleman uh played one snap instead of jordan mason i thought the niners were going to have a curveball for the rams and throw in a different running back no jeff wilson got 18 of the 22 carries jordan mason got zero of the 50 or so snaps 
And my gamble did not pay off. What do you want from me? It was it was a it was a big swing. And sometimes you don't hit home runs when you swing. It's big. better to have loved and lost than to never have loved at all. Yeah, that ta- that, that is a totally applicable run. statement to this exercise for sure. Totally. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um your first pick was really good. Yeah, Nick Bosa, good little player. Nice little player. Um, dark, dark blue for Nick Bosa. Dark blue. Yeah, that makes sense. His second sack was kind of a gift. I thought like he was around, but it was like kind of a weird Matt Stafford scramble play. That was a loss. It wasn't like a standard drop back sack, but leads the league in sacks and pressures. Not terrible. It's that high motor. (laughs) It is. He just gets after the quarterback. It's it's the high motor for sure. I talked about it in the pod yesterday um is it a two-horse race for defensive player of the year right now between micah parsons and nick bosa three-horse race talano hufanga also included oh wow you're going there okay (laughs) no not yet okay not yet but if he has another like the way you get into that race if you're talano hufanga is to have a game stealing pick six on monday night football while also having an excellent year while also drawing Troy Polamalu comps. If you're a secondary guy to be in that mix, you need to like lead the league in interceptions. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm a little bit tongue in cheek there. Yeah, I'm yeah, not it's, saying... it's gotta be it's I, I it's gotta be Parsons and Bosa. I don't I don't know who else would even be in the conversation right now. Yeah, I think I think it's those two guys, and I think there's there might be an inherent bias towards. Parsons because of how valuable he is to that Cowboys defense and the fact that the Cowboys are winning games with a backup quarterback as the 49ers are right now. Great point. Um, how about your first pick, Colton McKivitz? Speaking of backups, hey, the Niners allowed no sacks and zero pressures from the left tackle spot, mind you. Yeah, so I'll I'll stand by it. He got hurt. No, but- he's good. But in terms of, like I, I, I say it every week, my, my point for this exercise is who's going to tell the story of the game and the Niners not getting sacked, or Jimmy yeah. Garoppolo specifically not getting sacked. Um, you know, Colt McKivitz, fine. He's out two months now, MCL sprain. So we'll see if Jalen Moore uh, can hold things down. Yamador Lenore, third pick. Good player. PFF had him down 11 of 12. Got targeted 12 times. Give up 11 catches for 97 yards, though. I I, I think Diamond Lenore is pretty effective. He had his first career sack last night. Yeah. One of seven for the 49ers. I, the, the face turn from Diamondor Lenore this year has been wild. He went from a guy who were like, I kind of wondered in August, like, is he for sure making the team? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, is Diamador Lenore for sure. for sure making the team? Wasn't positive. And now he's a starting nickel and playing at a pretty high level. What really stands out to me is his physicality. Yes. Like, he's he's throwing his body around like a linebacker. Yeah. 
Um, and he's one of the reasons why they're tackling so well. And like all those, you know, those catches he gave up. Yeah, you're going to give up catches to Cooper Cup. That's just part of it. But to your point you made earlier about the yak, like, no, they're tackling these dudes right away. Yep. And Lenore is definitely a big part of that. So good pick by you. Thanks. Yeah. It, <laughs> one of my, one of my favorite bits is one of the keys tonight, the 49ers have to figure out a way to stop Cooper Cup. It's like, bro, if they figure that out, kudos. <laughs> but nobody's done it for like four years. So it's just not, can you limit him though? And they did. And that was in large part due to Diamador Lenore. I thought he was very, very good. The biggest key for the Warriors in the finals is to stop LeBron James. Great point. People are saying <laughs> if, if you shut down LeBron James, you got a great shot. <laughs> no, you just got to make it tough for him. That's all. Talk about Fred Warner, your second pick. Yeah, there was there was that play that stands out. I think it was a third down in the red zone where Fred Warner just has really good coverage on Cooper Cup, and it's kind of a low throw, but even a good throw, I think Warner probably breaks it up at the goal line. I mean, it's just exemplifies how good he is. And there, I really enjoy the hardcore football film guys on Twitter every week who are like, check out this insane thing Fred Warner did in pass coverage. <laughs> right. Where it's like he's like following the quarterback's eyes and like runs 15 yards to the other hash or the other number, right? And like breaks up a play or takes or even just takes somebody away mm-hmm. in in a way that you don't really recognize while you're watching the game on the TV copy. I mean, it's just like he's the guy, he gets to play call from D'Amico Ryan's. He's making all the necessary adjustments and aligning his teammates up. And he's playing at a really high level. Like he's the perfect middle linebacker. Like he's doing everything that you need an elite middle linebacker to do. And frankly, like I don't think the 49ers defense would be as good without him. Like it would, he's the load that he carries is heavier than anybody on the defense in terms of all of his responsibilities from getting the play call, getting everybody aligned making the pre-snap adjustments and then just executing. Right. So that's, that's a lot. Um, And Fred Warner, one of the things they really liked about him was they knew he could handle all of that. Mm -hmm. And he dropped to the third round in 2018 because it was like, well, what position does he play? Well, pretty good middle linebacker. (laughs) Decent short arms, arm tackler, never going to make it. No, that play that the Rams ran. It's like, that's the design. Cooper Cup on a linebacker. That's a win. That's a tutty. And it was like Stafford went to throw it and it was like, oh, wait. <laughs> Linebacker's not supposed to be standing right next to him. That's not how this is supposed to work. And it's, it's Fred Warner, man. He dropped Up a pick end. later in the game. Yeah. The game ceiling, game ceiling pick six. Yeah. He'll... Because he dropped that, I'm docking him points on my fake scoring system that I just made up for this. His so, grades, his grades going to take a hit. Yeah, yeah. His KFF grade, his Kyle Football Focus grade, <laughs> is really taking a beating right now for dropping that pick six. It's going from green to lighter green. Oh, buddy, we're deep into the yellow. <laughs> we're bordering on orange. Um. All right. This is where you made your Jordan Mason pick. Yeah, I don't want to talk anymore about it. Sixty-one point three grade on special teams, by the way. I cover all three phases. 
Nice. Yeah. No game game changer for sure on special teams. Um. Oh, I'm sorry. How many how many big special teams plays the Ram have? <laughs> I just run that number by me. None. Hmm. Huh. No, I I enjoy this victory lap. You have anything else you want to say about this? <laughs> No, no, no. Your turn. Go ahead. Okay. All right. Jordan Mason. Nice pick. <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, I picked Debo Samuel because he always destroys the Rams and he destroyed the Rams. It was the easiest. It's so dumb that he lasted the sixth pick. It was the easiest call. Well, I mean, for the sake of like breaking down the game, we don't want to just go chalk every single time. Right. It would be the same. It would be like four of the same six players like, every single game. Hey, you know who's going to be really important this week? Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> They need them to play well if they're going to win. That, that our our podcast numbers would be off the charts if we did more of that. Um, no, I mean, I don't know what else there is to say. Six catches, seven targets, one hundred and fifteen yards, fifty-seven yard touchdown. One of the plays of the year. Um, just like not even hiding his his willingness to troll Jalen Ramsey on Instagram. And one thing, one thing I really enjoy about Debo Samuel's trolling of Jalen Ramsey. There are some athletes where you're like, yeah, that guy's kind of phony and like doesn't really want the smoke. Like he wants like the social media smoke, but in real life, like he doesn't want the smoke. Mm-hmm. Debo Samuel would welcome Jalen Ramsey approaching him with some smoke in yeah. real life. Like Debo Samuel's like, yeah, sure. Come on, man. <laughs> like, Whatever you want. Let's do this. <laughs> I, yeah. I feel very confident in saying that. Yeah, Debo is definitely active in the smoke acquisition market. <laughs> and the chain, the chain, like the fit post game, like, you know, it's one thing for like non-established players to dress a certain way post game. You're kind of like, all right, guy, like we get it. You're in the league. You know, you haven't made any money yet. Like, uh, are is it really wise to have this like audacious chain and fit and whatever? Well, Debo got paid now, and it's like, nope, the biggest chain possible, like a plate on his chest, the sunglasses at night, the the varsity jacket that looks like it has diamonds on it. Not entirely sure if it does or not. Like when you're it, it just means more to me. Like I appreciate it more when you are established in the league, like yeah. Trent Williams wearing that flamingo jacket after the NFC championship game. Like amazing because he's been in the league. He's been a great player. He's made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Like to me, it's important if you're going to dress a certain way to have equity by the way you play. And I respect it more coming from Debo now because it's like, all right, not that I disrespected anything he wore post game like previously, but now it's like, all right, he got the contract. He got an all pro season under his belt. Like, okay, go ahead and wear your insane chain Debo. Good for you. I one time want to wear a chain that feels like a small child. <laughs> like, I just want to know what that feels like. It's, I mean, I've never have. I, it's just like, I, I just, I, I just saw, I just saw the chain post game and just immediately started cackling to myself. I was like, that is amazing. <laughs> All right. And you know it's probably real too at this point. It's definitely real. At a certain at a certain point of other football players' careers, you see them walk out with chains like that. You're like, yeah, bro, you're you either made a horrendous financial decision or it's fake. (laughs) (laughs) He's borrowing it, (laughs) right? 
you win the Cooper six pack this week. Let's go. Despite a dominant special teams performance from my guy, Jordan Mason. No, I love this for you. Thanks, man. Maybe on the net on, on the pod later He's this glad week. Cannibal paid off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe on the pod later this week, we could do a film breakdown of his dominant special teams performance. Yeah, it's great. So we can keep this idea. victory lap going for you. No, I love that idea. We'll get Kasim Osgood on here and we'll talk some uh, we'll talk some special teams and kick coverage. Learn you a thing or two. Kasim Osgood is such a good pull. Thanks. Such a good pull. Um The Niners are gonna make a playoff run if their defense keeps going like this. That's my take. The offense would have to be so bad for them not to go to the playoffs. Yeah, and I think this type of defense that's and and just as we kind of wrap up here, just to get back to where we started. That's why when I watched last night, I'm like, okay, that is now save a turnover or two about like as bad as the offense will be. For the for the rest of the year, like maybe we get more performances like that, like I said, with a turnover or two mixed in, which suddenly makes it look a lot worse. You mean sure. the Denver game is is like the low point of the offense this season? You think? Yeah, and now I think, and now I think last night is more like okay, that's that's what it's more likely going to look like when it's a like man, their offense really struggled. I think it's that like and call it call it a turnover or two, which again dramatically alters what last night looks like. But I just I, I don't know if they're good. Yeah, I mean. They're 2-0 and when they don't turn the ball over, and they're 0-2 when they do. Pretty easy. Pretty easy. So going to Carolina, staying over in West Virginia again, playing the Falcons, two pretty winnable games. And the other thing, too, both the Niners' wins have been in the division. It's huge. Huge. Here's one for you. Don't look this up. Where in the standings in the NFC are the 49ers right now if the season were to end today? <laughs> okay, let's see. Like in the playoff standings or yeah, play at playoff standings. Because the Eagles are four and oh. Yep, they're in the first seed. They're the, the five seed is one of the Giants or Cowboys. Yep. The six is the other of the Giants or Cowboys. Correct. Are the 49ers the seventh because of the two and zero in the division? The 49ers are the four seed dog. Oh yeah, that's right. They're leading in the NFC West. That's right. That's right. They're that's leading right. in I the NFC that. West because both of their wins have been in the division. Right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I wrote a whole. I wrote a whole freaking article about that, and then right. whiffed on it. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, which speaks to if like, the season ended today, they're hosting the Cowboys. Yeah, the Cowboys, because uh, they beat the Giants head-to-head. Yes. They're hosting They're hosting Dallas. Dallas is five, Giants six, Green Bay seven. Mm. So, yeah, Niners-Cowboys, round one, playoff preview. Is Dak Prescott going to be back in time? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, which, which speaks to – I only bring that up, which speaks to, like, the idea that I want to keep harping on. Let's not overreact to any single game anymore. No. I don't want to do I, that every week. It's exhausting. I, I want you to know I'm going to overreact. It's in my DNA well, that's, that's part of your bit on game days for sure. 
Niners will give up a touchdown. Like this team stinks in the group. <laughs> okay, let's see. Although that happens. hasn't happened a lot this year because they haven't given up that many touchdowns. True. Well, we can talk about the Warriors in the playoffs. Oh, great! Get this garbage basketball team off my TV. That's dude. <laughs> fall down by eight points in the first quarter, <laughs> dude. Um, no, but like, but like, I, I think. Unless something really crazy happens, we don't need to do the thing where like, oh, they played really shitty. Now the season's over. Yeah, and I'm not talking about us or you specifically. I'm just talking about the pop, the sports viewing yeah. area population as a whole. Yeah, or Sacramento included, obviously. We don't need to be like, oh god, they lost a game. The season's now over. Like, no, this team started three and five last year and went to the SC title game. So let's like, if they play shitty, we can say they play shitty, but let's not spin it forward and be like, oh, they're a shitty team now. No, they're definitely not. Their defense is too good. Exactly. I mean, that's just, that's kind of the bottom line. Yeah. I don't have anything else to say about this game. Yeah, looking forward to uh, the Baker Mayfield, Nick Bosa sequel. Yuck. I haven't looked. I saw Eric Branch tweeted that the, the Panthers have the worst offense in the league. Matt so Rule, maybe it's going to be the worst offense in the league versus the best defense in the league potentially. So there's a there's a it is on the table. Quick little sneak peek at Thursday's spot. <laughs> it's on the table that the 49ers get Matt Rule fired, where they go yeah. win they go win like thirty eight to three, and the Panthers are like, all right, pull the plug, this is done. So do you have two or three defensive touchdowns in that scenario? Four. I said okay. 38. Okay. <laughs> so that, that's that's on the table. Anyways. Yeah. No, you're right. Subscribe, rate, review. If you have already subscribed, tell a friend to do so. And we'll be back later on in the week to preview this 49ers-Panthers game. Looking forward to it. And check out Cooperage Brewing, cooperagebrewing.com. They will ship their beer anywhere within the state of California. Must be 21 and older, obviously. Or if you're in the Santa Rosa area, go visit the brewery. Or if you're just anywhere, if you want to go for a drive. Yeah. Santa Rosa is beautiful this time of year. Love hanging out up in Santa Rosa. Particularly when there are no fires happening up on wood. Yeah, no, October is my favorite month of the year. And it's been jarring for me the last few to have admired by fire season but it's beautiful right now so let's enjoy it all right everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance.
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.